0: Welcome to Wellspring On The Air. I'm Lindsay Steffen, a licensed mental health counselor at Wellspring, and I'm here today with Tova, our founder and president. Thank you for being here, Tova. Thank you for doing this with me. I think we have an important topic today. Yes. Today, we're going to be talking about suicide. Um, We have suicide awareness and prevention coming up, but we want to specifically talk about this during the pandemic right now. We're in the coronavirus pandemic. There are just mental health issues skyrocketing right now, Yes. and we definitely want to address um, the severe depression that leads to suicide, suicidal thoughts, and um, hopefully educate our audience members who might be struggling themselves or have family or friends, co-workers who are struggling with some of these dark thoughts. So right, before-
1: we we're not trying to, it is a sad topic and a hard topic, but it's important that we tune into it so we're able to take actions and for people we love and people around us or for ourselves if we find ourselves there.
0: Absolutely, and the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they uh, released some pretty alarming stats that just Mm -hmm. in the last, let's say it was June of 2020, um, in one week, 11% of people who responded had seriously considered suicide as an option in the last 30 days. Um, so out of 5,400 U.S. adults 18 and older, um, they were polled and more than 40% reported that they were having at least one adverse mental health or behavioral health condition. So and you might want to talk a little, Tova, about the specific populations.
1: Yeah, I, this was such an alarming statistic. It came out published from CDC in, on August 14th. And I was just stunned. We, I teach on suicide on somewhat of a regular basis and um, it's always a prevalent thing. There's always uh, a million people who die each year from suicide according to the World Health Organization. Um, it's the 10th leading cause of death in America. Um, every 12 minutes, somebody in America dies normally, normally by suicide. But these statistics blew my socks off. I, we are in a mental health pandemic. Um, 40% saying they have some mental health issues going on as a, re- a result of, of this that's happening, our, our pandemic, but one in 10, 11% in the last 30 days thought seriously thought about suicide, but let's talk about the other statistics within that. Because I, I was just of the 18 to 24 year olds, 25% seriously wow. considered the suicide in the last month. That's astounding. A quarter that's one in our, four. Yeah. Right are thinking about suicide. It's terrifying. You know, it is higher for those who are, um, Hispanics were at 18%, uh, blacks were at 15%. And here are a couple other ones. Um, essential workers were at 21%. They're having a rough time and unpaid caregivers of adults. So those taking care of the elderly or something, and they're not paid. It's not their job. This is their trapped at home, taking care of somebody. 30% had considered suicide in the last three days. So yeah, we, we have to address this. I I don't mean, I know I'm being an alarmist, but the CDC alarm, us all first. And so those of us who are in this field, we just, we have to dive in, um, You asked about a couple other stats, just so we know them. Uh, Men are more likely to die by suicide um, than women. Uh, Women have uh, proportionately more attempts relative to their deaths, but but men by far succeed more. We don't really know all the reasons for that, um, but we can get to some of that later. I do think it's important to note that American Indian men are even higher than white men, Um, but it's those white men and those American Indian men who are struggling the most for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, there, it, it, doesn't discriminate by age. Uh, we actually don't call it suicide if it's, uh, um, under five years old, which is terrifying that a little tiny child could do this, but even there are even statistics for five to 14 year olds all the way up to 85 and plus. And yeah. so, um, every age has people who, who do die by
0: suicide. Um,
1: yeah.
0: so Wow. So let's actually, let's, I think we talk about suicide. We hear about suicidal ideation, these different terms, but I think it'd be helpful for our audience to know, how do you actually define some of these things? So let's just start with the definition of suicide. What is that, Tova?
1: Yeah. So the the official one is when people direct violence against themselves with the intent to end their lives and they die because of their actions. So that one's kind of self-evident, Um, But I do think it's important that we think about the words we use because like people say, oh, he committed suicide. That's actually no longer a very PC term, you know, Mm -hmm. or, uh, or even the term successful suicide, you know, we just, those have negative connotations, but committing suicide makes it a crime. And so you commit a crime and, and it, it is violence against yourself and somebody did die, but we, people who are doing this are not trying to commit a crime. They're, they're not Killers—they are right. desperately attempting to escape something that for them is insufferable—and so we, we just want to take away those negative connotations when we talk about suicide. And so no longer we say death by suicide, not committed suicide. It would be how we would talk about it together.
0: Yeah, um, and I can vouch for that even clinically with clients. Those who have had those suicidal thoughts or ideation, they don't see any other option. So the, of course, there's some cloudy thinking, mental health stuff going on, but it feels like the only way to find relief or to not feel these negative emotions is through death. And so think how severe you must, like how horrible you're feeling, if that feels like the only option for you. So really it should spark a lot of compassion in us, I believe.
1: Yeah. And, and people who are left behind often feel like you, you did this to me, you abandoned me. And those are not really the thoughts of I'm going to abandon my family or get revenge on my family. It's really, um... They become so self-loathing and depression that they may assume people are better off without them, falsely assume, yeah. um, but, but they're not, again, trying to create harm to their family because they don't care about right. people
0: or any of those things. Yeah. Um, Most yeah. suicidal people we find are deeply conflicted about ending their own lives. It's not something they want to do. It feels almost like a forced decision are the kind of words I've heard. Um, they just don't see an alternative
1: And that is so important to remember because, because they're conflicted, like that's how, why we can intervene. That's why we can make a difference. If we can help them know there's a reason to stay alive or, or there's hope for change, then then we can enter in at that conflicted moment versus just assuming, well, they're suicidal. And, uh, and that's kind of a myth. They're suicidal. So they'll find a way because they're determined. They're not determined. They just can't see a reason to get out of the situation they're
0: in. So it's important. Right. What about suicide attempt? How would you define that?
1: Okay. This is a good one because um, it's a potentially self-injurious behavior with a non-fatal mm-hmm. outcome for which there's evidence of some, some intent to die. So um, we can have a suicide attempt that has no injuries. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to know that. So I had a client once who drove her car through a guardrail on a parking lot on like the fourth floor and um it hit a second guardrail and didn't go over so she had no injury her car a little injury but she had no injury um but that was definitely a suicide attempt you know there's evidence that she had an intent to die so that's a
0: suicide attempt Okay. And what about ideation? We hear the term suicidal ideation.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the the step before. It's like, I'm thinking about it. And this is where we as therapists really... Take note, take action, know that this is a very, very big deal if someone's thinking about it. They may never make an attempt, but this is where we know we need to be worried and why we're doing this show. This um, So it's the thoughts of engaging in suicidal behavior with or without the specific plan. It's I wish I were dead, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about death or dying or leaving or if I weren't here, and there's this recurring theme of, of, of a thought life about not being here anymore by dying by suicide.
0: Sure. And I think even there, it can be more passive or active. I see Mm -hmm. clients who have the, I just wish I wasn't alive, but they don't have a plan or an idea what to do. But it's just, if I died today, that would be fine. I'm so Mm -hmm. miserable. It's kind of that passive ideation we have to look for as well.
1: It is, and then, all the way up to I have an active plan with you know a gun in my room and it 's loaded and i 'm ready and right. you know, so that we have degrees of ideation for sure yeah um, what about
0: well, a gesture oh go ahead, go ahead I was going to say a gesture suicidal gesture I know that 's one we don 't hear as commonly perhaps
1: well, and we want to get rid of that phrase because okay. it really is a a negative label it's kind Mm -hmm. of dismissive you didn't really mean it it was just a gesture like a cry for help or wanting attention and and we basically say and i know you agree with this if there's a quote gesture if there is any of this ideation or attempt it is real because if you you need attention for that there is a major issue happening Mm -hmm. and even if it's quote manipulative there's still a major issue because people who are in a good state don't do that And so regardless is worth taking very seriously and and not dismissing. It's a dismissive idea. Oh, it was just a gesture. You know, they didn't mean it. It's, it's severe. and we need to treat it as such.
0: Yeah. It's still a cry for help. No matter if, you know, whether it was a serious idea to do it or not, they're still asking for some intervention. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about non-suicidal self-injury?
1: well you I think it's important to know that that you can do self injury for reasons other than suicidal uh, as the goal so for it, cutting is the most common where i I cut myself i'm not really it's not really with an intent to die it's an intent to release or express pain that i can't express in another way or it's an attempt to feel pain because I'm so numb because of things that have happened. So so that's a little different. It's just as dangerous, just as important to be responding to people who are self-injurious. They're doing dangerous behavior on a regular basis, whether it's their drug use or driving rec- all sorts of things, you know, but it may not, oh, the point is you could have injury that you really wasn't about dying. It was about another goal. Right. But Yeah.
0: And I always watch those as a clinician because those can be, you know, stepping stones or steps towards then more severe ideation. But yeah, some people who cut or have self-injury, they're not thinking of dying. It's just that emotional release of pain, like you're saying. So, okay. Well, why should we be concerned about suicide attempts? That's kind of a, you know, that's a leading question. (laughs) It is a
1: leading question, but it increases the risk factor. So, um, adolescents make many, many more attempts than adults. So eight mm-hmm. per a hundred adolescents will make a suicide attempt versus 10 per 10, hundred thousand for adults. So, um, there are a lot of reasons, young people that they don't know that, um, life could get better. So they often feel like it's worse than it is. They don't realize they don't have enough life experience to know that it could go on or they could get passes they could love again they could you know have a better year next year without bullies you know they um they lack a prefrontal cortex which is this that the development of our brain that says i plan for the future so so there are a lot of reasons that 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 is true but but um suicide attempts are what you have to do to actually commit to die by suicide see i caught myself to so oh. die by suicide and and so um It is a predictor of a future. Event where they are successful again. I don't want to use successful where they die by suicide. So yeah,
0: it's hard because we've heard these words for years in TV enough. shows, culturally, and I know even as a practitioner, I have to rework my verbiage. Absolutely, I, I'm
1: working at it. I'm working. <laughs> I teach this stuff, but yeah. but in any case, it it, it makes a risk fa- risk factor. People who have made an attempt are much more likely to make another attempt. It's just a correlated statistic, so we need to pay attention. So.
0: Yep. Okay. Well, we're actually, this is a great stopping point. We're going to take a short break, but please tune in for the second part of our show. We're going to talk a little bit more about self-care strategies, how to actually practically deal with these feelings of distress that lead to suicidal thoughts or attempts. So I'm Lindsay Steffen with Wellspring on the air, and we will be right back. Welcome back. I'm Lindsay Steffen with Wellspring on the Air, and I'm here with Tova Kreps, our president and co-founder. We've been talking today about suicide. Um, During this global pandemic with the coronavirus, mental health statistics are on the rise. We have a lot more depression, anxiety, and definitely more thoughts of suicide as we reviewed in our uh, previous segment of the show, just the CDC released some very alarming statistics. So we want to take time to address this together. Um, so let's just dive right in. Tova, what are some of the risk factors for suicide? How do we know we should be concerned? Yeah, and so
1: it's interesting because risk factors are different than warning signs. So very quickly on risk factors, these are things that statistics say have a higher correlation with people who die by suicide. So um, very quickly, having had a prior suicide attempt, um, depression or a mental health disorder, actual mental illness, substance abuse. And you can see why that's a risk factor because you're not making good judgments when you're under the influence, right? Right. Um, A family history of mental health or substance abuse disorder. Um, So that's not that it's a genetic trait. It's important to know that. Um, but, but But having a mental illness might be like bipolar disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, But then the secondly similar is uh, the fifth one was a family history of suicide. Mm. And that has more to do with sometimes a belief system. Well, my mother did it. Maybe it does run in the family. You know, it's it's almost a self predictive thing. This is something that happens in my family. And so it can be normalized in some sort of um, not good way. Yeah. Um, The sixth one is having a history of trauma, violence or abuse. Um, Those traumatic events can distort our thinking. They can make us feel more helpless. Uh, Maybe PTSD symptoms may be too hard to live with because of those uh, traumatic events. I know you do a lot of work in this. Did you wanna add anything on that?
0: Yeah, I think um, for sure when we have trauma and kind of untreated trauma, we are just, we're not ourselves. And so our thinking is all governed by triggers. Everything in the world might trigger us, people, places, things, smells. And so it becomes unbearable to even exist in the world. And severe depression, anxiety, PTSD kind of drives people to feeling like the only way to escape this horror is to die. And I've heard things mm-hmm. like that. And Luckily, we do our treatment. People realize, oh, there is an alternative, obviously, healing. But sometimes if they haven't been exposed to counseling or mental health resources, they actually don't know that's an alternative to not feel this way without suicide. That's right. Well, other risk factors, and again, risk factors
1: don't mean somebody's going to die by suicide. They just mean the statistics say there's a higher correlation. So, having a gun in the house, I think that's about access to an easy way. It's it, yeah. you know to to die. Um, being in prison or in jail, um, being exposed to other people's suicidal behavior, kind of like I mentioned to earlier, like a family figure or a media figure um, that we know that when major media figures uh, die by suicide, that there are that there are bumps in it, including even like um, the 13 reasons was there was a big increase in teen suicide. So um, medical illness, um, having a recent loss or a stressful event, I'll talk about that in just a second, um, can be a, a risk factor or being socially isolated and lonely. And I think we're seeing that right now in the pandemic.
0: I think that's a big factor. You were talking about the at-home caregivers and think of, Mm -hmm. they were already pretty isolated, but now it's hard to even do any normal social things or have some connection, because maybe the person they live with is vulnerable, so they have to just stay home. So I think that's huge, isolation. A lot of my clients who live alone, aren't seeing people, Uh, a lot of boredom and loneliness. I'm seeing that for sure. For sure.
1: So let's talk about the warning signs because that's a little different than risk. This is what we wanna look for in our friends, our loved ones, or even in ourselves and realize, wow, I'm not in a good place. Mm -hmm. So the first one is talking about suicide. So when people say, oh, you know, even casually in family settings, you know, you'd be better off without me, or I'd be better off dead. We we really need to, to take note. That's an actual warning sign. It means they're having the ideation. Something's going through their heads that's making them think that right um the next one is a preoccupation with death so people really they, you might see this more in young people too so what happens when you die how do they die? where do they go what happens with the body you know uh maybe wa- seeing our our young people looking at very graphic being fascinated by things of death and and yeah. um that's what they're looking at in their media or what they're drawing in their art and that kind of thing Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You see that a lot with art therapy, even kids, very dark themes or yeah. Also, I think, you know, something I noticed that's definitely a warning sign is just no hope for the future. We talked about that mm-hmm. a little bit, but feeling like there's no escape, there's no end to this pain. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I noticed with a lot of clients, uh, self-loathing or self-hatred. So if they really, they feel like I'm a zero, no one cares about me. I don't care about myself. That's a big warning sign and kind of a risk factor there too
1: right Uh, you know we could also have people who say goodbye you know well it's been great no they have these kind of concluding statements well it's been great knowing you or thank you for this and you're like why? i'm gonna why why are you saying goodbye when we have an ongoing relationship right i'm withdrawing from others on a regular basis they're you know they no longer want to go to the family gatherings they just no, I'll eat in my room or I, I don't want to come out or you know, so withdrawing. Uh, self-destructive behavior is a warning sign. So again, those things that may not look like death by suicide, but we're drinking and driving and we know better. You know, we're driving without seat belts. We're we're um, people are increasing their drug use, you know, with recklessly and, and not right. that it's ever not reckless. But anyway. Um <laughs>
0: So maybe it starts to ramp up. We noticed that with clients. Yeah.
1: Uh, Seeking out lethal means they're, they're getting access to pills or guns or objects that they could use, you know, Um, similar to saying goodbye is getting your fares in order. So giving away my stuff, you know, Hey, if I ever weren't here, I want you to have this, or I want you to have that, you know, and suddenly the will is all written and things are done and, you know, uh, getting fares in order. And then that similar, again, there's this last sense of calm. Sometimes we can have someone we knew was suicidal and then suddenly they're like, no, I'm not suicidal. I'm fine. I'm good. But there's this, a calm that's kind of not natural. And it's really maybe because they've made a true plan and now they feel peaceful because they made a plan and they feel Good, that their suffering is going to end. Um,
0: right. Um, so I'm glad you highlight that. Cause sometimes we're like, Oh, someone was, you know, in severe distress. And then the next day they're fine. And we should know that is some, that's a warning sign. That's not normal. You don't go from being right with like active anxiety, depression to just okay overnight. So I'm glad you educated us on that. Um, Well, let's jump into some myths. I think there's so many myths about suicide. People are scared to do this, say this with people. So let's go ahead and debunk some of those. Um, Number one-
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: I was going to say people who talk about suicide won't really do it. That's a myth. What do you think?
1: Yeah. No, I I think most of the time um, people actually do give some warning signs. And so they're not just talk, they're actually processing and putting it out there. And, and so, yeah, no, people talk because they're thinking about it and that's, so it's a myth. Oh, they're just back to that gesture idea that we talked about earlier, you know?
0: Right. So don't ignore it. It might indicate serious suicidal feelings and thoughts. Okay. What about, Oh, go ahead.
1: I think another myth is that um, people who are suicidal or thinking about suicide are actually crazy. It's Mm. easy for us to say, there's, they're all mentally ill. And there is a correlation with mental illness, because if you are really depressed, you are going to get lost in depressive thoughts. If you're obsessive compulsive, you might obsess on this thought. So there can be mental illness that, that relates to suicide, but it doesn't mean that somebody who's thinking about it is having mental illness because people can have, um, these thoughts because they are just that lonely or that hopeless or other things or that distressed over a recent life event. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean there's something that there is mental illness. There may be, but there may, there may not be, you know, and so kind of dismissing yeah. it like, Oh, it's just those people, whoever those are, which is half of mm-hmm. us, you know, but, um, right. it's important when we not do that.
0: Yep, absolutely. A, a third myth I know I've heard is that you know if someone's going to kill themselves, you can't stop them. Nothing's going to stop them. So what's the fact there? That's definitely a myth. Yeah,
1: and I think sometimes afterwards we realize we did a lot of things and we still couldn't couldn't prevent it. So I want to have mercy on the people who you know who later like, oh, I should have done something else. Um, it can be true that that people who are determined at some point we we can't stop them, but on the on the pre end it's really not true at all. It goes back to that ambivalence. People really don't want to die as much right. as they want the suffering to stop, or they think it won't, or they can't do, they feel trapped or hopeless. And so, um, Lots of things can stop people because if we give them hope, if we tell them they matter or that there's an answer or there's professional help or things can be done that will make their life different or positive and God's will for their lives to love them and he has plans for us and things like that. There are many, many things that can prevent someone from taking those actions.
0: Yeah, well, that leads me into our next myth is that people who die by suicide are unwilling to seek help. But that is a myth because we see that more than half of people who have committed suicide or these studies of suicide victims, they actually sought medical help in the six months prior to their deaths. So more yeah. than half. That, that's a population that is not wanting to die necessarily, but again, don't see another way out.
1: Yeah, people do seek help. They may not get the right help or they may not have been able to stick with it or afford it or or get into it. But but it doesn't mean they're not trying in any way to do something different uh, right. to make their lives better.
0: Yeah, so that leads us to our last myth. And this is one I really love to talk about. So talking about suicide might give someone the idea. That is so not true. So please tell us a little about that, Tova.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't give them an idea. They already have the ideas. What it does is it takes it out of a secret into something that can be hand, handled and talked about. If we bring it up and they're like, no, I, I've never really thought about it. then it's like, okay, I was worried about you and I, now I know not to be right. And all they know is that you care, but, but this idea that you're going to plant the idea that I, if the ideas aren't there, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? You know? And if the ideas right. are there, they're going to feel so relieved that someone noticed and, cares and there's an opportunity to talk. The secret is very dangerous. So we need to move it yeah. out of the realm of secrets into,
0: yeah. into the other. A little shout out to my parents of my teen clients. I think that's, it's a big fear to ask their teens about those thoughts, but yeah, over and over the teen, once they're in my office, they want to talk about that. Cause again, they don't want to die most of the time. So yeah. All right. Well, Lindsay,
1: we, um, we have way more to get. We're going to make this into two shows. So I, okay. I think I want to wrap up with yeah. one little piece. And then when we have the second part of the show, um, that our listeners can tune into and uh, here, which is lots of practical ways to intervene. We need to spend awesome. more time there. So, um, I'm going to give an overview of it and then we'll do a part two. All right. Perfect. Let's so do it. the overview is this, that people, why do people die by suicide? And how can we help? So the biggest, so they come in kind of categories. One is they, they die by suicide. They take an action to end their lives because they have unclear thinking. That is the mental health issue. They are depressed. And so their thinking isn't, isn't solid. All they can see is the negative. They are, have OCD and they are, stuck on the thought or they're bipolar and they're swinging with a manic or depressive state, or they're using substances. And so they're not in their right mind at the time. So the answer to unclear thinking and how can we help is to help them get professional help because all of those need professional help, but that's not the only reason people make this choice. uh, A second is that they have unbearable circumstances in their minds. That's how they see it. And again, it may not be mental illness at all, but they have a belief that their circumstances are unbearable. So we have this high rate of white men who die by suicide, right? Well, it's often following their exposure of a moral failure or a bankruptcy, it's their worldview of themselves. And if it falls apart for some reason, they they believe my family is better off with my insurance money. My family is better. There's a belief they cannot bear the circumstances of the exposure. Um, right. It may be another uh, um, unbearable circumstances might be abuse. So it might be a youth who's living with bullying and they think that I can't bear this bullying anymore or um, abuse victims who are in their homes, whether it's an adult with a domestic violence or a youth. And it's like, I can't, I can't bear it anymore. Um, another unbearable circumstance that that can relate to suicide is life after a trauma or a loss. It's like, I cannot see my life with this change, without this person, with this event in my past, with this experience, I can, I don't have a picture of myself. And this Mm -hmm. is just a normal stage of grief because part of the grief process is eventually to be able to see yourself continuing after the loss, but some people don't get past that. Um, or a terminal illness. So all, so all these things are unbearable circumstances. And how do we help those people? We give them love at the time. And we give them hope that they can life can go on. Absolutely. And when people are around and loving us really well and life can go on and they help paint that picture for us honey we can still love you even if you fail or went bankrupt you know we yeah. can still be here for you even though this loved one's gone and others are here and so so that's what we do and then the third broad category besides unclear thinking unbearable circumstances the third one is um hopeless a hopeless future and in that one again the elderly the isolated people in chronic illnesses we need to give them hope that their life can still have meaning while they're here, while they're suffering uh, to those around them. So I know I went through that really fast and we're (sighs) past our time, but this is why we have to do part two.
0: Yes. There's too much good stuff here. We need to share with the audience and educate. And yeah. And I think again, going back to that part, the hopeless future, we can hold hope for people until they have it again for themselves. So Mm -hmm. we'll expound more on this though, in part two. So we'll wrap up for today. Thank you, Tova and we will definitely, if you have any questions or concerns, reach out to Tova. She's very open to communicate with our audience. Her email is tova, T-O-V-A, at wellspringmiami.org. Visit our website, wellspringmiami.org, and check out our other resources, podcasts, Um, and we will just have to wrap up for today, though. We're out of time, so I'm Lindsay Steffen with Wellspring on the Air, because hearts and minds matter.